My name is Jen Fountain. Um, we are in the middle of our series, or actually kind of towards the end, on our series of Hebrews. Uh, we are looking at, Josh started looking at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. We're going to finish up those verses today. Um, if you were here a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, last time I spoke, I shared with you guys an experience that I had had. My stepmom just passed away in June, I think it is now. Um, I had the privilege of being with her the week before she passed away. They had a hospital bed in our guest room at, at home in Houston, and so she was able to pass at home, but because she was home, we were, we were able to just spend a lot of extra time with her. She would get really agitated, and so me having no boundaries, I just climbed into the twin-size hospital bed with her and would just hold her and pat her and talk to her um, as she was just kind of processing going through all of this. But what was amazing, and what the reason I bring this up again is because if you weren't here last week, it's going to kind of, this is going to tie into what I'm talking about this morning. Um, as I was laying there with her, she would tell me what she was seeing. So she would tell me, one time she woke up from a nap and she was like, what is all of this bread falling? Why is all of this bread falling from the sky? And I said, Nana, that must be manna. That's, that's the bread of heaven. And she goes, well, I'm not saving it because it's not going to be any good if I sit. And I was like, no, you're right. Like scripture tells us the Israelites, God said, go out and gather what you need for the day, but don't hold on to any because I will give to you what you need for tomorrow. And that's just an illustration of every day God will provide what he needs through himself. So Nana was seeing this provision coming down. She told me she saw um, a gate and she said it was too heavy to open. And I was like, you don't need to open it, Nana. Like, Jesus is the gate. You just ask him and he's going to answer. And she went for days, went on and on about what she was seeing. And, um, and I was right there with her. I didn't see any of it, but she, her eyes were open and she was seeing these, these images. And so the reason that I'm kind of bringing that up again is because the way that that experience what that did is it changed the way, it changed how I read Scripture. Um, I no longer believe that these images found in Scripture are simply figurative language. So I even had to, I've been, I've been wrestling with what's been, what happened that time with Nana and what it means and how to put it into words for myself. So the definition of figurative language, which is how I always thought, I always read Scripture, was phrase a phrasing that goes beyond the literal meaning of words to get a message or point across. So Jesus is the Lamb of God. I just assumed, okay, that means he's gentle, he was sacrificial, that they were using these words to communicate an idea. Well, now my, my interpretation of it has changed and that these images are not just figurative languages, devices of figurative language in order to communicate an idea, but that these images are creating, and this is my term I came up with, I'm going to brand it. Um, these images are creating a visual, spiritual reality. 
So we read in Scripture that Jesus is the gate. We read in Scripture that he is the rock, that he is a fortress. Well, Nana showed me that that's how he showed himself to her at those last days. He didn't come and say, hey, I'm the gate. But he came and he was a gate. That was the visual spiritual reality that Nana was seeing. So because Nana saw a rock, she saw a gate, um, she saw a river, she actually saw Jesus, we will too. And I am now struggling too, wrestling with myself and with Jesus. Like, okay, if Nana was seeing this all in front of her, I was in the same room. Clearly, something's going on in the spiritual at the exact time that we're living here in the physical, and sometimes our eyes are blinded to it. The eyes of Nana's heart were open, and the, the distance, I feel like, between the reality of heaven and the reality of, this, of the physical realm was so thin for her that she could actually see these images, these visual spiritual realities. So, as it was my week to prepare for this message, because um, of this season that I'm in, I have approached this text a little differently than what I would have months ago before my experience with my stepmom. Um, I don't think that in the, these verses, Hebrews 12, any of the verses, but we're looking at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, I don't think Paul is trying to give us just a picture. I'm thinking, what if Paul is actually communicating a visual spiritual reality that we are in a race? Um, throw up that scripture. This is what we're looking at. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, okay, remember, this is, let's just believe for a minute that this is actually visual in the spiritual realm, and we, by faith, are having to believe that this is what's going on. We may not be able to see it. Let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. My translation says the pioneer and perfecter of faith. This one says the author and finisher of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the, cro the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Josh set the scene for us last week. Josh talked about um, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I want us to just, let's just close our eyes for a minute. I know it's a little weird maybe, but I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine yourself in a stadium and you are surrounded by fans, by people that are there just to support you that they are cheering you on. These are the heroes of the faith. Abraham, Moses, Paul himself is one of these people that is looking on at your life, encouraging you to keep going. And not only that, but Jesus and possibly any of our loved ones that have gone before us, that have known the Lord and have entered into the kingdom. 
it is an arena of nothing but encouragement. All right, you can open your eyes if you kept them closed that long. Um, this scripture may not prove that this is what, what is happening, but it definitely suggests that there is some sort of watchfulness going on around us. That it's the heroes of the faith, the angels, um, and that they are there in an arena and they are watching you. He, Josh also went on and talked about throwing off all of our hindrances that entangle us, the sin. So like as a runner, I'm not a runner. I hate to exercise, but I know runners. Um, Ellie just joined the cross country team, so that's running. Um, one of my, <laughs> yeah, um, Tad Fisher, he's a runner. Uh, one of my best friends, um, also a runner, and I have watched her for 20 years train, and she watches what she eats, and she's disciplined in how, you know, how far she runs each day or cycles. But you can't run a race if you're carrying a bunch of baggage. So when we're running a race, we're cutting off the sin. And the older I get, the more I realize sin really isn't that fun. I think when I was younger, it felt really inviting. But as I get older, I realize any sort of sin is really just either damaging my heart, my body, my relationships. Um, and it is becoming more and more, not to say I'm not falling into it all the time, but <laughs> I can look back <laughs> and go, oh, I wish I didn't do that. That was not fun. Um, but to cut off, to be in examination of our hearts, you know, and our lives, and to get rid of the things that are entangling us, the things that ensnare us. So Josh sort of talked a lot about that last week. Um, we're going to move on now that we are aware of our surroundings and free of hindrances. We're actually back on Let Us Run still, so we're actually the previous. So we're going to start on right here. We're going to go just kind of chunk by chunk through this next little verse. This isn't really a lesson. I feel like Paul is giving us an encouragement, and I hope that today you walk away feeling encouraged. Um, I love this phrase, let us run. Let us collectively as a church run this race that Paul is saying is life. But not only collectively, but let us not being alone, you as individuals not running this race alone, let you run with the Lord this race. Um, Jesus has, and as we talked about with the clouds of the cloud of witnesses, you know, we are running with those heroes of the faith that have done this. They've been here. They've endured the struggles. And from the beginning, we're not, we're not called to run alone, but Jesus has been with us the entire time. You know, that cheesy um, little footprints in the sand thing, and there's just one footprint, and it was Jesus carrying you the whole time. Yeah, okay. So we're not alone. Let us, together with Jesus, run. Let us run with perseverance. That is one thing I see from people that run races. So my friend, Beth, that I was saying um, runs a lot, 20 years ago was running the Marine Corps Marathon. She signed up, Jason signed up, Mike signed up, 
Steve Zagarski, another friend of ours, if you know them, they all signed up to run this marathon. The, the fellas, they trained together. Beth trained alone. They all started together and ran. Beth, at some point, passed out in the middle of the course. Passed out. I, I would have passed out at the beginning. She gets a little ways through. Passes out, gets up, starts running again. She's running the wrong way, so the people on the sidelines are like, no, wrong way. She turns around, keeps running, and she actually beats all the guys. <laughs> By what, how, how long? Like five hours, hours. <laughs> Mike thinks he was right on her heels, but that's not true. Um, perseverance, you know? Like she has trained for this, she's been running, she gets in the middle of the race and she's passed out. Like, is that not life? Like sometimes you just pass out. And sometimes you get up and you start running the wrong way. And somebody's got to be like, turn around, it's this way. So the definition of perseverance, which I love because, and that is the next slide, I think, um, because it is so life. This race that we're in, perseverance, continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failures, or opposition. Marriage takes perseverance. Difficulties, failures, marriage takes perseverance, but it is eternal and it is for the kingdom. Your job is gonna take perseverance. You may have people at work that are against you, that malign you, talk back, talk against, it's going to take perseverance to stand as a person of faith and do the job that God has called you to do. You are not where you are by accident. You are where you are because God has a purpose for you. Raising children takes perseverance. I was talking to a friend that has small children and he was saying, oh, well, Duke, he was up at one and this one was up at three and I was like, God, well, Ellie didn't get in until 1245, and then I wake up at, you know, whatever, because I haven't heard from Maddie. And so whether you have small children or older children, you're like up at all hours of the day and night stewarding these children, hopefully to greatness, but at least to a faith. <laughs> but my, my big hope is just that they will be devout followers of the Lord. Perseverance. Every aspect of your life is going to take perseverance. The next one, moving on. Um, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. There is a specific course, all of us collectively, the race is marked out in here. Here's a great course, course book guideline. You know, it's gonna tell us how to live this Christian faith but marked out for you individually, the Lord has something very specific. Your course is not gonna look anything like anybody else's course. And I think a lot of times it's easy for us to look at some people that maybe are in full-time ministry and think, well, that's actually what a really good follower of Christ should do. Or look at social media and say, well, that is, that's really a good mom she, you know, she does great chore charts and her house is clean and her children are, are all in line. Your course is very different and everybody's gonna have their own obstacles, their own difficulties, their own struggles. But I will tell you what, your individual struggles and difficulties, whatever it is that you're dealing with now, 
or maybe in the past, is setting you up for a unique position to proclaim the kingdom in a way that nobody else will be able to do. Your trials, your difficulties, the course, the race marked out for you by Jesus has been especially appointed for you because nobody else can do it the way he needs you to do it. Now, how are we going to do this course that's not easy and that has difficulties? We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. There is, oh, I think I forgot it. I'll have to read it because I don't think I put it in um, my slides. Um, I think it was Spurgeon. Okay, Charles Spurgeon. Um, and I'm just going to read. I read this and I thought, this is great. He says, the Greek word for looking is a much fuller word than we can find in the English language. It has a preposition in it which turns the look away from everything else. You are to look from all besides Jesus, beside to Jesus. Fix not thy gaze upon the cloud of witnesses. They will hinder thee if they take away thine eye from Jesus. Look not on the weights and the besetting sin. These thou hast laid aside. Look away from them. Do not look upon the race course or the competitors, but look to Jesus and so start in the race. Our eyes can only be upon the Lord. I've started doing this. Maybe it's weird, but I don't know what else to do. Like when I'm trying to fall asleep at night, I'll close my eyes and in the darkness of the room, I will just be like, Jesus, show me your face. I want nothing more to see than to see the face of the Lord. And so I just sit there and I keep asking, show me your face, show me your face. And sometimes I see maybe shadows that maybe could be a face of Jesus. Maybe it's just the back of my eyelids. But what it does is it centers my heart and it shows the Lord, God, I just want to see you. I want to fix my eyes on you. And when my eyes are open, it's so easy for me to stop looking for the face of the Lord. But when my eyes are shut and everything else is darkness, my intention can be just the face of the Lord. So fixing our eyes on Jesus, I don't know, coming up with creative ways, how do we, rem how do we remind ourselves that our gaze is to be upon the Lord? You kids with those fancy like Apple watches, just setting a timer, you know, a reminder every, every hour, every three hours to go off and just to remember, oh, right, Jesus, I'm living for you. You know, or when you're cooking dinner or lighting candles in the house and just, or oil diffusers, you know, they, they would burn incense in the temple of the Lord. So I like to pretend that my young living essential oils are like, diffusing oils in the temple. Again, kind of weird. But Lord, this aroma is a reminder to me that I want the aroma of my life to be pleasing to you. How do we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Other translations say, if I can find it, um, say the pioneer, the source, the leader, the founder of our faith. Jesus 
and I also like this because it says he's the author and finisher of faith. Not necessarily of our faith. He does finish this for us. But our faith is our responsibility. We have a responsibility in saying, I believe. I'm going to follow. I'm going to submit. I'm going to obey. But Jesus has written it out for us what this faith is in. He has shown us that he came to life and lived a perfect life without sin, obeyed the Father, went to the cross, died for our sins, and sat at the right hand of the Father. He is the author of this faith. He is also the finisher. It is done. He has risen, and he awaits us to enter this kingdom with him for everlasting life. The finisher, the, per the perfecter, the completer, the consummator. I love that word because in, in my business, you know, you're, you have a consummated deal and it means it is done. And I love it. Our faith, it is done. But we have the choice and the responsibility to pursue a more in-depth relationship with the Lord. The author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. You know what that joy is? The joy set before Jesus when he had the opportunity in the garden to go, you know what, Lord? God, this is too much. I'm not doing it. I've done it this far. I've missed out on, on all the sin I could have partaken in, and I've, I've trained all these people to, to know my word, but I'm not going to the cross. This is too much. And you know what held his will to that cross is the joy of me and you spending eternity with him. That is the joy that was set before Jesus that made him say the cross and the abuse, the mocking, the verbal insults, the exhaustion, that's what made it worth it for him to go through with it. For the joy set before him, you and me, he endured the cross, scorning its shame because the cross was the worst way to die. It also carried with it just the embarrassment of being publicly humiliated, nailed up onto a cross where people would come and just hurl insults at you. He endured the cross and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, consider him who endured such opposition, Jesus, from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We are to consider him to fix our eyes on and to fix our hearts and affections on Jesus. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, guys, you're the star of the show. Your life right now, even if you feel like you're not doing a great job, you're not seeing the whole picture. This cloud of witnesses, they see the whole picture. There's no disappointment in what's going on because they know where you're going to be. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It is so not worth it. And let us run with perseverance, determination, the race marked out specifically for you 
with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. For the joy set before him, you have no idea your value to the kingdom and to the Lord of Lords. You have no idea the joy that he has when he looks upon you. He is not, again, caught up in the situations that we're in or the mistakes that we've made because he sees the final picture. For the joy of you set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, waiting for you to come and sit with him. Another thing is Nana, my stepmom, she knew there was a celebration coming. And um, I may have shared this before too. She was afraid of where she was going to sit. She, she thought she may have to sit by the trash cans. And I was like, Nana, no. I said, you get the most honored seat at the celebration. You get to sit at the right hand of the Father. She said, I do? That is so nice. I can't believe it. Believe it. You get to sit at the right hand of God. So consider him, Jesus, the one that loves you, the one that knows the full picture, that has given you the ability, you are more than conquerors, to overcome the obstacles and struggles of your life and to endure. Consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Church, do not grow weary and lose heart. This faith that we proclaim is more real than we even have an understanding of. There is more going on around us that we cannot see, and Paul is saying it is worth the race. It is worth the endurance. So pers persist and endure and don't give up. Jesus, this is crazy how intentional you are with us, and it is crazy how you are in every single little detail of our lives. And forgive us, Lord, when we don't see it. And I pray that you open the eyes of our hearts, that we would be a church that would see what's going on in the spiritual realm, that you give us the visual spiritual reality of what's going on. Lord, we love you so much. We want to be faithful, and more than anything, we want to be made into your image. We give you all honor and glory, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.